Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another episode of the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and we got a fun show as we are recording this Tuesday morning before the Grizzlies and Warriors game. Probably the biggest regular season game the Grizzlies have had in quite some time. Surely you do not want to miss out. But before we get into this pod, before we introduce our guests, let me let you know how you can keep in touch with the pod and the blog. So you can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where The Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network has the Longview GBB Live, the 3ND Podcast, the Core 4 Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And so let me introduce my guest. He is the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies for the Daily Miffian, Drew Hill. Drew, how are you doing? I mean, I hope everything's all good, despite what happened with the game last night. But how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, I'm doing all right. Obviously, I was sad that my tide lost last night. But, you know, all things considered, I can live with it. I can live with the result. Georgia was a really good team. Alabama's missing so many key guys on both sides of the ball. Georgia was the better team last night. That makes it a lot easier to live with. And it's going to be really fun because they're going to get all these guys back next year. I think they had only like four seniors that played the whole year. So mm-hmm. Alabama's going to be loaded. I've already looked at the futures, uh, by the way, the futures options on Caesar Sportsbook. And Alabama's plus 200 to win the championship. So massive favorite to win it all next year. So I can, I can live with that. I Other think, than that, I'm just stoked for this Grizzlies game tonight. It's going to be so much fun. I'm just really, really excited. Um, and it'll quickly get my attention off of, off of the game yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't want to dive too much into the Tide as much as you are a Tide fan. And surely being in the South, there are going to be listeners that love the Tide. They want to see that Bryce Young back-to-back Heisman. They want to see that national championship. But I want to get into the Memphis Grizzlies because, you know, this is a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. But more importantly, they've won nine games in a row, franchise record. They are three and a half games out of first place in the Western Conference, only a half a game behind Utah for the three seed as well. And, Drew, before we get into anything about the game, just this – run right here and where they are in the standings i mean five games ahead of dallas for fourth as they're streaking as well right now they're only half game out from utah who's now finally dealing with their wave not in a good way like obviously i don't mean it in a good way but the reality is they're finally dealing with the health and safety protocols while all these other teams are really dealing with it in december utah is hitting their stretch now uh thoughts and prayers to you know rudy gobert joey ingles all those guys but now the Grizzlies have gone from a team where 
you know, they're going to be kind of flirting with the play-in. You, they're hoping for the sixth seed, and now it's like, okay, uh, they, they're like pretty good striking distance from the one seed. So, Drew, just overall thoughts on just what's going on with this Grizzly surge. And, I mean, I, I don't even want to ask if it's real because, I, I mean, it's been a month and a half. I'm, I'm sure it's real. But what, what are you gathering from this surge the Grizzlies have been on this past month and a half? Yeah, it's been so fun to watch. It's just been incredible. Uh, ever since Thanksgiving, really, the team's just been completely on fire. And it doesn't matter who's available, who's not available. Uh, that's like the one thing that I think is most impressive about this run. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that this that the Grizzlies are real. Now, there's probably going to be a little bit at some point some regression because the, during this stretch of nine games, they haven't had a game where the Grizzlies have just shot terrible or the other team has just shot great. Sometimes you just lose NBA games that way, but they've been able to dodge outside of maybe the one Oklahoma city loss, any bad losses this year. And they've had guys repeatedly, no matter who it is, whether it's Killian Tilly or John Conchar, John Conchar is my favorite when it's him uh, or D'Anthony Melton or I, the list goes on and on. Zaire Williams, they just have a way of, of and a, a, a confidence about them where those guys, when they're needed the most, step up. And in addition to all of that, you have, of course, Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Ja leading the charge, Jaron playing like legitimately like one of the best defensive players in the NBA and Bain making threes at a crazy rate. And this formula altogether has turned the Grizzlies from, okay, yeah, they have John Morant, so maybe they're like a league pass darling to, wait, hold on, this team might be able to actually compete with that top three of Utah, Phoenix, and Golden State if you put them in a playoff series. And they've proved it. They've, they're, I think, 14 and seven or 15 and seven against teams that are currently in the playoff picture. It's just been really, really, really impressive from start to finish. Um, and the end result is like, look, the Grizzlies are legit. Like, they, this is a very good basketball team that's got a chance to win one, maybe two playoff series, um, you know, come this, this spring. And you know, you never know what can happen, but to me, that that's a step above what we thought when the season started, and that's that's been the most impressive part. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that's really cool, I mean, for one, as you had said, they're beating the teams in the playoff picture. I mean, aside from the OKC game, and let's be real with the OKC game, they got their two primary ball handlers back with SGA and Josh Giddy, with SGA probably being – like a, a tier below Ja. I mean, he entered the season like the same tier as Ja, but I think now a little bit of a tier below. Still great point guard. And they just had that 73-point loss in their minds. They're going to avenge that. I'm not mad about that loss. But they're beating – they're taking care of business against the teams they need to beat, and they're hanging in or beating these playoff picture teams. I mean, they're the only team in the NBA who's beaten Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, and Brooklyn on the road. And that doesn't, that doesn't even consider the fact that they also had beaten Cleveland on the road, too. And Cleveland's been a very good squad as well. But it's not one of those things, too, where, like, they're surpassed like they're surpassed national expectations because everybody expected them to play in. 
after some of the moves they made this past offseason with dealing Jonas Valanciunas, Grayson Allen, two starters. You had the uncertainty with Jaron Jackson Jr. So surpassing national expectations is one thing. I guess surpassing our expectations is a big deal because, I mean, we're around this team and like we, we all kind of said like, okay, six seed, we, they can do it, but just get to the seven or eight seed and that's still a sign of progress. But now they're doing this, they're in striking distance of the, of the one seed and they could pass or tie Utah with a win tonight. The vibes are good. The vibes are immaculate. It's really just showing uh, that Grizz culture right now that's really brewing to where no matter who's out there, your Killian Tillys, your John Conchars, Santi Aldamas, Jarrett Culvers, no matter who's out there, they're going to win. And that's just a testament to basically everything within the organization, top to bottom. Yeah, they've been terrific. Um, and it's just great to see them as the talk of the NBA. You know, we we talk about the Grizzlies on a daily basis. Um, and so, obviously, if you're following the Grizzlies, it's important to follow the local news. But it's also great to see that the Grizzlies are getting sort of the attention that they deserve because they've really burst onto the scene in this last, you know, month and a half. And I don't think that they're going away. It just, uh, like I said, there will be some sort of regression because you're not just going to win out the rest of the year. But, but, you know, that's to be expected. But this is a team that could very easily win one, very easily win two playoff series. And that's, to me, the like, that's where we're transitioning to. That's not where we were at the beginning of the season, but that's no. where we are now. And I don't think that's going away. And that might be here to, you know, beyond this season. This might be a team that's in the top four next year as well. When you look at the way that the roster is constructed and just all of the assets that they have and the cap space that they have, they're, they are rightfully one of the biggest, uh, you know, talking points in the league right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, it was really boiling down uh, to one player in particular, and it's John Morant. He's really just taken this incredible all NBA leap where right now in, in this NBA landscape, there isn't like this bonafide MVP candidate. Like we've had the past several years where we've had Steph, Giannis, Jokic, guys of in that realm. It's pretty wide open. You can make a lot of arguments for a lot of players. And for the first time, probably in franchise history, you're able to say, oh, John Morant should be in the running for MVP. And you're not sounding like a homer. Like he's legitimately getting MVP buzz. And Drew, I really want to just ask you your thoughts on this John Morant leap because I think no one's really covered it like you because, you know, you – I guess broke uh, the word in the uh, welcome to the dark stuff, reaching out with uh, Trey Draper, people over at IMG over the stuff that John Morant's put in this summer. So just what, what his leap has been like and just um, how it's just propelled this Grizzlies team, regardless of the fact that they even went to what, like what nine and three without him, he, like still maintaining that momentum, even though he's been out. Yeah. Um... So when I, when you talk to people around Ja, like the people that are in his circle um, about what he was doing this summer, they would, you know, when you build a relationship with those people, they, they talk about how he's working hard, obviously, but they were reluctant to give a lot of details because of this whole welcome to the dark type of thing. 
And of course they weren't going to say it. They weren't going to say he's in the gym shooting a million three pointers a day, right. To get his three point shot better. Ja was never going to say that no one involved in his offseason training is ever going to say that the Memphis Grizzlies aren't going to say that. Um, but that's what was happening. You know, everything that you would have expected Ja Morant to be doing this offseason, he was doing. He was working out with NFL athletes, too, like Leonard Fournette and um, Justin Jefferson and all these different, you know, types of athletes, and including like track runners and all these different people at, at this uh, training facility down in Miami. And I think being in that environment, like being around other stars and all of that, it just, it felt like this was the direction that we were heading. Like he was going to become one of these amazing NBA players. But to me, where we, where I felt most confident in the fact that this leap was going to come this year was after the, the, uh, before the season media availability with Zach Kleiman, where not a single person asked him about John Morant. We all assumed Ja was just, you know, going to continue to be Ja. And he went out of his way to say, Hey, no one asked me about John Morant, John Morant, bona fide all-star this season. Just wait until you see what this guy can do. And to me that said, okay, he's been in the gym. Like he's seen this guy in training camp. He's seen this. He knows what this is going to look like. And if he says that it's going to work out, then you really can believe all that you had heard, the rumblings from the people around him, the people that were training him over the summer. And we've really just seen it all come to fruition, whether it's outdueling LeBron or outdueling Kevin Durant or my God, that block the other night is going to be the, the highlight of the season, maybe in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just continues to do spectacular things and it's, tremendous to watch it's so much fun it's great for us i've seen like i'm sure this is you know you guys and and as well as me our twitter following it's like that should tell you one thing like they're it's exploding right because you tweet about what john Morant does and all of a sudden the casual nba fan is interested and you know it's a credit to john the work that he did this off season i didn't know exactly what it was going to look like but dang, it's exciting to see it now, you know, happen. We, we were waiting on it and it's finally here. Yeah. I, I think as coming into this season, I mean, for one, I can't believe it slipped all of our minds to not even ask Zach Kleiman about John Morant in media day. I don't know what was, I don't know what it was. Was it all the moves or uh, the Desmond Bain summer league experience, Jaron Jackson coming back? I don't, I don't know what led us to just like completely forget to ask about, you know, the franchise point guard, but that, that happened. But but this season, I didn't really know what to expect when it came to a John Morant leap because, you know, Drew, you've talked to him for this, a solid year and a half now where like, he doesn't care about stats. Like he's like, uh, as long as I, as long as the team wins, I don't really care what my numbers look like. And that kind of showed last season, especially like there'd be, I don't know that one Houston game where they just drilled them. And he had like seven points and five assists. Like it wasn't anything like spectacular, but you know, the team won. That's all he cared about. So I was like, okay, I'm not really going to care much about what he does numbers wise, but just show like steady improvement, you know, show that improvement in your jump shot, the mid range game. That's always been something that's been tantalizing, especially with how guys like 
Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Middleton, guys like that use that in uh, this past playoffs. But he's just taken this leap into legitimately being backing up what he said as a top five point guard. I mean, 25, six, and five is nothing to scoff at. And really, when you round it up, it's more of like 25, seven, and six. It's insane what he's been doing. Those hitting. are Derek Rose MVP numbers, by the way. Yeah, well, those are Derek Rose. And that, that's another reason why it's like, okay, it's not crazy to say he's been the MVP. I mean, the Grizzlies top four team in the West, top seven team in the league. He's doing he's the best player on it. It's it's not crazy to say. I mean, I I, I don't think he's gonna win it because I think there'll be too many. People. No, Curry will win it. Curry will yeah. win it. If the There's also too many people in the media that will use that same logic that like JJ Redick used in that segment with Kendrick Perkins saying like the, you know the on off uh, that time that he was off the team they went nine and three. I think that's going to be used against him a little bit. But as Desmond Bain said to us last week, the conversation should be if he's one of the best point guards in the league. And if you're really, really going to break it down. There's only one point guard you can think of that's been better than him, and that's Steph Curry. I mean, uh, Chris Paul has been great facilitating the offense, but his shooting numbers have gone down to, like, career-low levels. Uh, Trey Young's put up amazing numbers, but that Atlanta team's hysterically mid. considering yeah, he's what also they, the worst defensive player in the NBA. In the league, and he just doesn't – and there's even a clip, too, where he just looks lost, like lost and disinterested. That, that whole team is – a different podcast for a different day uh Damian Lillard he's been hurt um Russell Westbrook we you can just look at Laker Twitter and get the answer on that one it's pretty clear John Morant is the second best point guard in the league right now and I think one thing that's really cool with this game in particular and how this Grizzlies Warriors dynamic has been shaping up for the last nine months is is there some sort of passing the torch thing ordeal that we're kind of waiting on between jaw and Steph because I mean you tweeted out the stats of John Morant against the Warriors over the past three games it, it was like 28 points yeah 28 points six assists five rebounds three seals like he busts out for those games and do you think we're just kind of waiting on this little passing the torch moment between Steph and Jaws? I mean Steph's not getting any younger Jaws only ascending where, where do you fall on that I don't want to get I don't want to uh get a little ahead of myself here because Steph Curry's still awesome oh he's awesome he's, he's got lots of more awesome years in him uh I think but and but I think that there is I mean just from a team perspective you can draw parallels to the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Uh, I'm not saying that the Grizzlies are going to go on and win three championships and be able to get a free agent like Kevin Durant to sign with them. I'm not saying that, but there are parallels that you can draw between the two. Uh, you have supernova talent at point guard who can go out and win you a game all by himself, whether it's Curry or whether it's Morant. You've got an off guard who's a great pure shooter and a player that plays really hard in Bain and Clay Thompson. Now, I don't know if Bain ends up being as good as Clay Thompson because we've seen Clay Thompson be an absolute megastar as well. And then you've got Draymond and, uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And Jaron's offensively at least has been better than Draymond so mm-hmm. far through this point in his career. And we've really seen him take off on the defensive end this year. He stopped fouling and he's become a really, really good defender for the Grizzlies. Um, 
and you know they're they're a little bit different players sort of like Morant and like uh, Curry but you can draw I mean you you could connect them if you really wanted to if you squinted hard enough right yeah Um, and so yeah I don't know if I want to say Curry's passing the torch officially to Morant yet just because he's got great years in him but do I think Morant one day will be the best point guard in the NBA yes I, I believe so uh, I just think that we might be waiting a little bit longer for that to happen. And that's because Steph's an all-time talent, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves. He's a top 15 to 20 guy, just depending on how you look at the game of basketball. There's no denying that. And I, I really think the dynamic is really interesting with Jaron Jackson because there are those parallels with him and Draymond beyond just you know them being Michigan State guys. Uh, I, Draymond is probably been – the biggest key in this small ball revolution that we've seen. And really, like if you were to ask Taylor Jenkins about it, it's more of like deploying as many playmakers as possible out on the floor. And I think Jaron is kind of that cheat code for that because of his defensive versatility, similar to like a guy like Draymond Green. Like I posted a, a clip the other night that he forced THT into this uh, wild shot at the end of the shot clock because he stayed with them. He got the deflection on him, didn't foul. He looks like a guard defending another guard, and he's doing that at seven foot, seven foot one. And I I think Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five, as we've seen over the past few games, like Draymond could ultimately be one of the bigger keys that leads to the Grizzlies really taking off into that upper echelon to where next thing you know, you're starting to consider them into like the bonafide contenders tier. I don't know how far away uh, we are from that because it feels like, you know, if these two teams played a, a playoff series, which I would it's, love to see. Oh, that that's the one I want the most. I, I think I don't want it in the first round. <laughs> We're not going to see no. it in the first round. I don't want it in the first round. But uh, I just think it would be so much fun. There's, I, you know, there people would doubt Memphis. I think – I don't know if the Grizzlies are winning that series. But – it would be competitive for sure. And the way that these games have gone between these two teams, the split earlier this season, uh, the play-in game last year, they've been highly entertaining, awesome back and forth games for the most part. And I could see this being a rivalry. I, I don't know if it is. It's not a rivalry right now. That'd be unfair. Steve Kerr even said that would be unfair. You got to play playoff series first. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that. I mean, it would be really fun to have these two teams going at it over the next, you know, three or four years. And, you know, I, I think that's extremely possible, and I'll, I'll get into that uh, later on. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, never want to get too ahead of ourselves when it comes to uh, December and January basketball. But, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, there's no reason to get ahead of ourselves uh, when they were struggling earlier in October and November. But – yeah, that, by the way, I think that Grizzlies-Warriors, if, if it's anything like that play-in game last year, it'd be electrifying playoff basketball. Probably one of the best playoff series I will ever witness, probably besides that Grizzlies-Spurs run, but that's just a different one. But there, there's one more parallel I want to get into. And, like, again, not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but it's other people bringing this up. It's not like just, you know, two Grizzly reporters just, like, being unrationally high on their guy it's something other people are talking about that's the Desmond Bain and Clay Thompson parallel it's more relevant tonight given Clay Thompson's back but 
I remember Andy Bailey, he does a lot of good stat stuff with Bleacher Report. And he posted a, he always does these like player A, player B comparisons, tells you to pick, he'll reveal who it is. And submitted by ESPN's Tim McMahon, he did year two Desmond Bain, year two Clay Thompson. And I, I think Bain's ascension has been probably the second biggest reason why the Grizzlies have performed the way they have. And now the consolidation questions look a lot different because of his emergence, given his cost control, his room for improvement at 23, and just his clean fit with John Morant. Like, is Clay Thompson like a comparison we should really be throwing out there? Are they two different players? I mean, personally, I think Clay offers more defensively while Bain might have a little bit more juice off on the ball. But is that something that we're getting ahead of ourselves, or is there kind of those little bit of parallels there? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. It's like we're talking about an all NBA player in Clay Thompson, um, guy who scored 60 points in a game, you know, uh, who's a little bit bigger, plays a little bit differently, as you mentioned. I don't, but I don't want this to be like a knock on Desmond Bain because it's not like he's. Desmond Bain's awesome. And I'm a lot higher on Desmond Bain than some of the other people in the, you know, locally, like my, my colleague, Chris Harrington, who I have a podcast with, he's not quite as high on Bain. He thinks Bain is, you know, maybe a fringe all-star type player at his peak. I think that he can be an all-star at his peak, multi-time all-star. Um, Cause there is some stuff that I think we still haven't like as jaw gets even better as their attack sort of, forms it could open up for Bain even more um and I think he he has the potential to do even more but I don't know I don't know I I don't I don't want to compare Bain to Clay Thompson just because it feels unfair to Desmond Bain you know because Clay Thompson is such an awesome player who's again a multi-time champion multi-time all-star uh and a really good defensive player as well where Bain you know physically he's just going to be a little bit more limited than a guy like Clay but do I think Desmond Bain is going to be an? He already is an awesome NBA player. He already is a high quality starter. You know that. Yes, I, I think that he's going to be just fine. I don't know if I want to compare him to Clay Thompson now. I'll, I'll just like leave leave it up to other people to do that sort of thing. I'm just going to uh, watch Desmond Bain become Desmond Bain compared to you know trying to put him up against a guy that's all world. So oh I'll yeah yeah I mean. Clay's just a, a different kind of breed. I mean, you said he dropped 60 points. Like, he did that with barely dribbling. Like, he barely <laughs> yeah. dribbled and dropped 60. Like, he's one of the most unique elite role player, all-star kind of guys that we've ever really seen in terms of just how he fits around other stars. But, yeah, I mean, I know comparisons, it's not the best way to discuss sports, to be honest, because, you know, and even, you know, Jaw. And so that like Jaw wants to be the first Jaw. He doesn't want to be compared to anyone else. And you know, that's what makes Jaw so unique because there's all these different blends of all these other players. You know, people like to bring up Derrick Rose. Uh, people brought up Al- Allen Iverson, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. There's just all these different blends that make him Jaw. Or with Desmond Bang, you know, we've seen people say Clay Thompson. Uh, you you've said I think you said in the spaces the other day you said C.J. McCollum. Uh, people have said I think. Didn't Chris Harrington say like some 90s guy like Hershey Hawkins, right? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so like it's cool we're seeing just these different blends and stuff. But they are, like you said earlier in this podcast, there are all these parallels with 
the Grizzlies and the Warriors, especially which is the, their ascension. Like the Warriors kind of had this like breakout similar to the to the Grizzlies, where like you know they broke out from you know that fringe playoff team to a team that's a bona fide playoff team, and then took the next level. But the Grizzlies now are just really waiting on that next level. We don't know what that entails. Um, I'm I refuse to get into the rabbit hole of trades because I, I think the team's pretty pretty solid the way it is. I know we're in the content creating business, but I think the team's pretty solid the way it is. But Drew, is there anything else with this game in particular that you're looking forward to tonight? Oh well, so much. Well, before I get into this game, what you yeah, what you just mentioned on the trade thing, I'd be surprised if there's significant moves you can say, oh, well, what does significant mean? I mean, like, there are guys on, on the team, like, look at Jared Culver's contract. I'd be surprised if Jared Culver isn't moved, frankly. You know what I mean? Like, those yeah. types of guys. But anything like a, a big-time trade, I'm not sure that we're going to get that uh, at the deadline. Now, this offseason will be fascinating. We'll have to recircle back on this podcast of the offseason once, you know, this, this regular season is finished. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's any need to go down that rabbit hole at the moment. As far as the game goes tonight, I'm really excited to see the atmosphere in that place. Um, we know that the COVID stuff is surging right now. Maybe that discourages some people from going, but I've heard that it would be close to a sellout, if not a sellout tonight. Uh, you have, you know, you'll always have a lot of Warriors fans in the building just because Steph is, you know, every little kid's favorite player. Um, but it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really excited. And I'm excited to see what Jaw does because every time there's one of these spotlight games on the Memphis Grizzlies, he shows up and he shows up big. It feels like eventually he's due for a bad game when he's under the spotlight. But every single time he tends to play really well. I also want to follow. This is the, the storyline created by Kyle Anderson. The Grizzlies do not shoot well when they come back from these West Coast trips. You just spent multiple days in L.A. We saw what happened when they spent multiple days in L.A. Earlier this season, they went to Portland. They got blown out. Are they going to shoot it well? Are they going to be focused and rested? Those are two very big questions for me uh, tonight. But you would think, given the nature of the game and how big this game is, that they would be. Uh, but we will see that, that, that has been the case. They have not played well coming back from these West coast road trips. So that is definitely something that I will be paying attention to, uh, tonight. In addition to, you know, all the obvious storylines of clay and Bain and John Morant or John Curry and, you know, all that. So, and Draymond's not playing, which I don't think we've even noted yet, but that's obviously a big storyline too. Yeah. That changes a lot too. In, in particular, but it's, Jaron Jackson Jr. because now those Draymond minutes, um, they they go to guys like Kavon Looney, Juan Toscano Anderson, Otto Porter, guys like that. And so that that dynamic kind of shifts a little bit. You know, they may lose, you know, that their spirit leader in a sense, but at the same time, they add whatever they lose in defense, they kind of replenish in offense because of guys like Otto Porter's three point shooting, uh, Bailita. Uh, Toscano Anderson was kind of a handful in those uh, late games last season. So I'm very interested to see that attack. But I think one thing that I'm very interested in seeing because the narrative is like with this Grizzlies team, it's been like, dude, this team's so deep. Like every, everyone's talking about the depth of this team. Like 
which bench player is going to pop up tonight and have that good game to remind everyone, like, oh, man, this Grizzlies team's so deep. I mean, Brandon Clark, he's Brandon, been awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, Brandon comes to mind. Yeah, he, he's been awesome the past two weeks, really since he returned from his soreness injuries. Or is it Zaire Williams showing more in his development? Uh, D'Anthony Melton finding a shooting touch and having a big night from three where he hits like four or five threes off the bench. You, you just that, – that unknown right there, that dynamic, it, it's kind of exciting. And I think in a game like this, like one role player really – just kind of playing out of his mind could just blow the roof off the place and really help the Grizzlies generate some good momentum towards a win. I wonder how many minutes D'Anthony's going to play because somebody's going to have to chase around Steph Curry now that Dylan Brooks isn't available for Memphis. And I think the person most equipped to do so is probably D'Anthony, but they can't really start him because you're, you might throw off the rhythm of your team and so to me, uh, I just wonder what kind of role he's going to play. You mentioned the shooting touch. It's going to be tough to get that shooting touch back when you're tired from chasing Steph Curry the whole yeah. game. Um, but I, I would be surprised if they didn't use him on Curry. But you could try to use Bain. His wingspan might limit him a little bit. But uh, I, I don't really know how – I don't think they match up very well with Curry without having Dylan Brooks on the floor. So I expect – Steph will probably just do his thing that he always does against the Grizzlies. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to see what, what kind of defense Melton can play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, that lineup dynamics will be really interesting tonight. Uh, the last game, it was, it was Ja, Bain, Zaire, Kyle, and then Jaron. So now, now you're just kind of seeing, like, okay, if Adams comes back, is it Anderson going down to the three? And Zaire coming off the bench, or is Zaire going to stay in that spot? That's and with the Grizzlies just persistence on playing Kyle at the four, I'm leaning towards the latter. Yeah, but I'll say this: I'll say this at the risk of being wrong. So I'm I'm not saying I know the answer to this because I don't. Right, I could totally be yeah. wrong. I don't think Stephen will play, and I say that only based on what has happened in the past, which is when the Grizzlies have upgraded guys from health and safety protocols to questionable, they usually sit them out one more game before they bring him back. That's what they did with Conchar uh, and Tillman most recently. Um, I think that was against the Clippers that they did that. They made him questionable and then they didn't play. So I don't know. I, I'm not so sure. I wouldn't be banking on Steven Adams playing if I had to bet. I don't like, again, I don't know this for sure, but if I had to yeah. bet, I would bet that he does not play tonight. I mean, and in kind of relation, cause you brought him up. I mean, could we just get John Conchar to run around and get Steph Curry all night? <laughs> yeah. Hey man, I, I love me some John Conchar. People make fun of me on Twitter because I love John so much. I just like how hard he plays. I like, he just plays so hard. Um, and I can respect that. Like there's a, there's a certain respect level in the league for guys like that. We saw Alex Caruso become this star. Now mm-hmm. Conchar is not going to get that benefit because he doesn't play for the Lakers, but he does a lot, a lot of the same things. He plays really hard for a guy, his size, he gets a ridiculous amount of rebounds. Sure. Let's see. Let's see what kind of cardio John's got. What kind of wind John has after coming off the health and safety protocols too. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I know uh, our guy, Brandon Abraham over at GBB, he's been covering John since he was with the hustle on a two way. And he's just been like, 
he's just been in his corner the whole time. And now it's just like this ginormous vindication because uh, now John Conchar is showing, you know, same stuff he always does, but now he just decided to never miss three pointers again. So that, that dynamic has been really fun. Really happy for Brandon on that one, but Drew, I want to get you out on this. I guess it's kind of like a long view question with this and the Grizzlies, they acquired this elusive 2024 Warriors draft pick. Um, when they took on the Andre Iguodala contract and that salary dump to save them from a fat luxury tax in the middle of building a billion-dollar arena. And, you know, around last year, year before, it really looked like, oh, this pick could be really good. Like, we're talking, like, Boston and Memphis levels or even um, trying to think of another great pick. I mean, I like the Steve Nash trade pick with the Lakers, that that kind of pick. But nonetheless, comparisons aside, it, it was going to be a good asset because that's Clay and Clay, Steph, Draymond. They're all thirty-five or older. And now, like with them being good, like do you like this good? Do you think the the stock on that trade? Do you think it's kind of lost its luster a little bit as a trade asset? Not only given the age, but given you know they have Jordan Poole who's emerged. They have Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody kind of lurking and developing and potentially being guys that could be role players towards a more contention for the Warriors. Do, do you think this past, I guess, 12 months for the Warriors has really changed the outlook of that draft asset? And how much longer do you think the Grizzlies should just hold on to that one, given the nature of – everyone talking about how they could be a team that goes all in for a guy like, like Jalen Brown or something. Yeah. Um, as far as that trade, like losing its luster, uh, I mean, the, you, it was a salary dump, right. By golden state. So they didn't really have to give up that much. I felt like um, in order to get that pick. So I was, I'm fine with it, obviously. Um, yeah. If, if you will allow me to brag for a second. Yeah. I was the man who said that the Warriors were going to be awesome again this year. And everybody was clowning on me on local radio and everything uh, for picking the Warriors to go back to the finals. And I just, I can't look at a team that has Steph Curry and Draymond Green. I know they weren't that good last year, but, and think that they're not going to figure it out. Like I just had this, I had faith that that team was going to figure it out. And I'm not a Warriors fan. I know I kind of sound like I'm like a Warriors supporter. I'm not, I just have respect for those guys. Um, mm. And I just, I, I th always thought that was going to happen. Um, so maybe I was a little bit lower on the Grizzlies pick that they have later on down the road than other people were. It's still a perfectly fine asset if you're the Grizzlies. And I mean, Grizzlies have done a lot of different things uh, with those late first round picks. They got a guy, Desmond Bain at 30, right? They got Brandon Clark, what, 17. So those late first round picks uh, have been beneficial to Memphis. I think maybe you look to trade it. You try to get potentially another middle of the rotation player, but yeah, I don't know if you're, you're not, it's in the mind of a team that's trading a star. Yeah. That pick is probably, diminished uh a little bit you're probably right about that but oh well i mean you still have a lakers pick you still have a utah pick you got plenty of different assets available um 
And so, and then you've got $20 million in cap space this summer too. So the Grizzlies just, they have a lot of options. It'll be interesting to see which way Zach Kleiman goes. And I've got a question for you actually, before you wrap this thing up. Yeah. Since this is called the long view and now the Grizzlies are suddenly just like this awesome force to be reckoned with in the West. Do you need to change the name to like the medium view or something or like, I don't know. Like, not seriously, like you're not looking that long term down the road anymore, huh? I mean, you're kind of right. I I haven't really thought of that. I might need to have some conversations with Joe on uh, what this next step is. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not really much of a future focus anymore. I mean, do I rebrand this podcast or do I I have somebody else rebrand it? That that's a good point. Like now they're now they're I mean, freaking just awesome saying, right now. Yeah, this is a team that we think might be able to at its peak get like back to a Western Conference Finals or something crazy like that. It's not that not that far away anymore, man. Maybe it like I'm trying to to workshop some names in my head right now, like some mid mid to long view, uh, the mid range view, the. Uh, decently long view the I, I don't know the it needs some work but yeah i mean my, i guess maybe, like maybe it's time to reconsider but no I, i'm i'm kidding of course but yeah, yeah. it is interesting the, the grizzlies have totally flipped the script on the flip the script on this um not just for people like you but for people like me who did not expect them to be this good this year yeah i mean i might i mean i wrote about ty's Jones's floater i mean everyone knows the grizzlies love the floaters so do i just call it like uh, floating all the Grizz next gen. I, I don't know what to do now. Like, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll see what uh what Joe has me doing. And but that that's a very good question. I'm gonna have to take that up with him. But Drew, as always, great talking with you. I'm sure we'll probably be connecting for a spaces at some point this week because three home games, three big home games for that matter. I'm sure it's in the works. But Drew, let the people know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Drew Hill underscore DM. Um, if you follow Parker, you probably follow me already, but you can read me at the Daily Memphian um, and all my stuff posts over there. Me and my colleague, Chris Harrington, had the Grizzlies coverage. We have our own podcast, the Daily Memphian's Memphis Grizzlies podcast as well. So whenever you finish listening to this one, you can go turn it over to any of the other SB Nation or, or to our podcast. We're not recording until Wednesday. We, we rolled the dice because this is obviously a huge game. And we could have recorded yesterday. We usually only do once a week, but we decided Wednesday we're going to roll the dice because we had confidence that this game is going to deliver and it's going to be awesome. Win or lose, it will be a competitive game for Memphis. Um and so we, we will record on Wednesday morning. So you can look out for that on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So make sure y'all are tuning into uh, the Daily Memphian, whether it's their podcast network or their uh, written work over at the Daily Memphian.com. I mean, nobody, nobody covers the city of Memphis like they do. I mean, but not even just Grizzlies, just, you know, lo- local news. Uh, I mean, I, I kept up with coronavirus coverage through the Daily Memphian. Uh, high school sports, uh, business journals and stuff. So just a lot of great content over at the Daily Memphian and because of guys like Drew, Chris, uh, Jeff Calkins. Great work. Make sure y'all are subscribing to that. And make sure y'all are following me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are reading our work at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you are also 
uh, tune into the podcast network so you can get every single episode of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, the Long View, GBB Live, the 3 d Podcast, the Core 4 Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And with that, that's it.